It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours, like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Hortons' new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply. Hey there, and welcome to the Joy of Paddle podcast, hosted by me, Minter Dial, a veteran of the paddle tennis world, and sponsored by Paddle 1969. Whether you're a paddle tennis aficionado, just beginning, or have never even heard of paddle, or padel, as it's called in North America, this is an exhilarating new show that delves into the captivating stories of notable paddle personalities worldwide. In its inaugural season, you'll be treated to exclusive anecdotes, valuable tips, life lessons, and humorous moments shared by esteemed professional paddle players, industry insiders, and passionate paddle enthusiasts. With each season aligning with the Pro Tour, you can anticipate two engaging episodes per month. The Joy of Paddle Podcast is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, where you can find other great shows in a number of categories, such as sports, health and wellness, true crime, and fiction. To find out more about Evergreen Podcasts, go to www.evergreenpodcast.com. Vamos! Welcome to Pit Pass Moto, the show that keeps you up to speed on the latest in motorcycling and brings the biggest names in motorcycle racing right to you. I'm PJ Doran. I'm Dave Selecki. And this week we have as our guest James Rispoli, AFT racer. Can't wait to talk to him. Of course, Pit Pass Moto is sponsored by Moto America. Moto America, America's premier road racing series, airs around the world on networks like Eurosport, Fox Sports Asia and Star Sports China, Supersport Africa, and of course, my favorite way to watch Moto America Live Plus. I watch online when I can't be at the races. The last two rounds coming up are round eight at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, as well as round nine at Laguna Seca will be without fans. That's October 23 through 25. They're calling that one Speed Fest at Monterey. The latest industry news in racing, we had the MotoGP of Catalonia with Fabio Cortoraro coming out on top on his Yamaha ahead of two Suzuki's piloted by Johan Mir and Alex Rins finishing out the podium. Big news in the MotoGP world this week was that Valentino Rossi will be moving to the Patronus Satellite Yamaha team in 21. That's big news. At the race, series leader till that moment, Andrea Davizioso taking down in turn two in an incident with another Ducati rider, Johan Zarco. And Rossi unfortunately crashed out of a very early uh, and solid P2. He crashed out, didn't finish the race, sadly. In AFT news, we had the Dallas half mile, both one and two in the Super Twins class. Briar Bauman came out on top, followed by Sammy Halbert and Robert Pearson. Incredibly good racing there. And in the productions 
twins class at the second of the Dallas half miles. James Raspoli came out on top, followed by Corey Texter and Chad Coast. James Raspoli leading the series currently in the production twins class on 222 points. Looking forward to seeing how that season wraps up as well. What do we have in the moto world, Dave? Well, we got lots of racing all over the world this uh, last weekend. We had the MXGP of Lombardia, which is in Montova, Italy, and uh, just great racing again. MX2, Thomas Kears Olsen wins the overall on his Husqvarna. He's been on fire this year. He's really just having some great motos. Followed by Jed Beaton, a rider out of Australia for second, and Ben Watson in third on his Yamaha. So the point standings now in the MX2 class, which is the 250cc class, Tom Vial leads the series on his KTM with 386. Iago Geertz, the Belgian rider, is 30 points back in second, followed by Maxime Renault, a French rider on a Yamaha. He's 91 points down. So that MX2 class is pretty competitive, uh, a lot of good racing. And MXGP class, we had a little drama, but I'll, let me go through the, the finishes and we'll talk about that. Jeremy Sewer, Swiss rider, ends up first overall on his Yamaha, followed by Glenn Koldenoff, the... Uh, Dutch rider on his Gas Gas made the podium. Gas Gas, I think that's their second or third podium for the year. And then followed by Jorge Prado, the Spanish rider on his KTM. Now, Jorge won the moto and a couple other riders were higher placed, but apparently they uh, jumped on a yellow flag and were docked positions. So that changed the overall results a little bit from what you saw on TV. So the standings now uh, are a little shaken up a little bit. Cairoli loses the red plate to Tim Geyser, who's now in first. The Honda Riders, 316 points. Caroli trails him by five. And Jeremy Sewer now picks up to third place. He's 16 down. The uh, The big news out of MXGP, obviously, is uh, is Jeffrey Hurlings is hurt. Uh, he was uh, partially paralyzed in a wreck a couple of, couple of rounds ago, but he is okay, as it turns out. He's healing and uh, may even make it back by the end of the year. So that's all good news. We want to see the bullet out there on the track. And back here in the States, we've got uh, all kinds of off-road racing. We've got the AMA Motocross at the WW Ranch in Tallahassee, Florida. That was a great round. Good to see it back in Florida again in the sand. And uh, really took its toll on some riders. And 250 class, Dylan Ferrandis continues to dominate. I've said it before, he's the fastest guy out there. He went 1-1 for first overall, followed by Justin Cooper, his teammate, who went 4-2 for second overall. And Previous points leader, Jeremy Martin, finished 3-3 for third overall, so he gives up the red plate. You've got a new red plate holder again in the 250 class. Dylan Ferrandis leads with 307 points over Jay Mart, who's got 294 points, 13 back. And his brother, Alex, on the Suzuki, friend of the show, is uh, 83 points down in third place. So there's your 250 standings for now, going into the last two rounds of the season coming up in the 450 class. Really, it's uh, it's amazing to see. The guy is just gritty. Zach Osborne goes out and goes 1-1 for first overall. He is an Eastern rider. He's used to riding in the sand uh, up in Massachusetts, and he showed it. Uh, he dominated. It was good to see him go. He's actually earned the red plate black, and we'll talk about that in a second here. Marvin Muscan, the uh, French rider on his KTM, finished second with a 3-3 for uh, second overall. And Eli Tomac, Salvages what could have been a bad day. He's uh, 6-2 for third overall. The defending champ uh, isn't really in the points at the moment. He's not part of the discussion, but his teammate is, and we'll talk about that here in a second. In 450 MX, Zach Osborne now has the red plate with 285 points to Adam Ciancerello, the other Kawasaki rider I mentioned. He 
29 points back with 256, followed by Marvin Muskan, who's third with 255 points, 30 points down. So you've got a battle for second now. With two rounds left, I don't know. I'm pulling for Cianciarillo, but Zach Osborne is just a gritty, tough rider. And every time he goes out there, he puts it all out on the track and he shows it. It was really great racing. Lastly, we've got uh, results from the GNCC race this last weekend. This is great news. Stuart Baylor, who was actually without a ride, has won two rounds in a, in a row. And he won again this last weekend. It was great to see, followed by Ben Kelly and Grant Baylor and uh, the points leader in the, in the off-road series, uh, Caleb Russell, got ninth overall. But he still leads the series with 256 points over uh, Josh Strang, friend of the show, with 201 points, and Jordan Ashburn who sits in third at 159. So you've got great competitive racing out there, man. I hope everybody got out to see some racing this weekend. It was wonderful, and I really enjoyed watching uh, that moto uh, from uh, WW Ranch. That was some incredible racing. Seeing Cerullo coming together in, uh, in Moto2 with uh, Moosecan was interesting, and the, the, and the ride that Tomac put on reminding us of his rides of yore, and of seasons past, he hasn't had enough of them this year, as we've discussed, Dave. But he's still he's still a fast guy. He's never out of it. He he never is. But uh, yeah, I guess Moosecan parked him pretty hard. And uh, yeah, Sanserello, two hole shots leads both motos. You really thought it was going to look like last weekend when he went one one for first overall, but just had some bad luck in the sand. You know how that can go. And you could tell by the end of the race, guys were getting tired. Their elbows were dropping. Their chest is in the handlebars. You could tell that sand and the heat was just starting to get to everybody. And really, the fittest riders are the ones who finished on top. Absolutely. And the Martin brothers coming through the pack initially together in Moto2. Uh, clearly, only one of them made uh, the podium at the end. But it was a good round for the Martin brothers. I agree. I agree. Uh, Alex uh, still hanging tough in third. I, I love to see it and his brother fighting for first in the series. So it's going to be a good year for the Martin brothers all around. This week's Pit Pass trivia question is, who was the first female racer to qualify and race for an AMA Supercross event? Name the rider and what race event this happened. A very topical question. I look forward to the answer later on in the show. And we'll be talking to James Raspoli shortly about his season. Welcome back to Pit Pass Moto. James Rispoli, super fast road racer, super fast flat tracker, currently racing for the latest motors racing team on a Harley Davidson XG750R. Welcome back to the show, James, and thanks for joining us. How you doing? Dude, I mean, I haven't been much better, so it's it's been really, really good this season, and uh, yeah, life's good at the moment. I'm just glad to be back on. Yeah, you're sitting on 222 points. You have what anyone would call a relatively commanding lead in the production twins class of our American Flat Track Series. You have really found your stride this year in this class. For our listeners who don't know, you are a multi-time national 
road racing champion. You're a very fast guy on two wheels. There's no doubt. And this year you've taken the interesting, although not unique step. You're not the only guy from um, the road racing world who's taken a step towards the dirt. How are you finding it? Obviously you're finding it really well with the results you're having, but are you glad you made this choice? Yeah, definitely, man. So I was, you know, I went road racing, won my two championships, went overseas, spent five years in Europe, did really well over there. Always kind of had my eye on coming back to dirt track when I was going to come back from the international stage, you know, and living in Europe and whatnot. Kind of things happen in my career where I seem to always uh, end up moving, making big changes, you know, due to teams kind of, you know, folding or, or not right, continuing to run. So kind of the same thing happened. I came back to dirt track relatively a year or two earlier than I wanted to. And to be honest, at the beginning of 2019, I was ready to quit racing, period. Yeah, I didn't really have anything. I couldn't get really the rides sorted that I wanted to. I just come off a really good year in super sport, you know, so I was kind of had like a little bit of a, I was a little bit angry, just like, you know, this is kind of baloney that I can't get a ride. And then um, last minute, my buddies put together a platform for me you know, literally all my friends and my one buddy bought me a $1,500 van. And that's how I started last year. You know, long story short, I ended up riding, getting on Harley Davidson last year, doing really well. And then towards the middle of, uh, at the middle of the off season, I got a call from George latest to, to get this kind of ride. It's kind of been crazy. And then here we are having this kind of dream season again. And it's, it's been really, really, really cool adventure and I'm kind of doing what I did in super sport in dirt track. So what's that like, James? I mean, you're, it seems like your discipline is, is dirt track. And then you made the move to, to road racing just for the listeners. What's that like jumping back and forth between disciplines? As far as mentally, how do you prepare yourself to go from road racing and going at those speeds and jumping on the flat track bike and doing, doing the same, I guess. Yeah. So I grew up racing dirt track. So thankfully that I had uh, like, you know, it's kind of in my blood and that's what I did as a kid. And, you know, my first three professional years before I went road racing, road racing was definitely much harder for me to learn um, than dirt track because I think dirt track came much more naturally, but coming back, it was even still a big transition. Dirt track has gone light years ahead from when I left. The transition was harder to come back because the style has changed. You know, we t- everybody talks about MotoGP and the styles changing all the time for the tires. Well, they've gone through two iterations of tires and it's changed even yet again, which is crazy, but it's gone more towards road racing. So it's even put, come more into my platform and me jumping on the Harley Davidson where it really likes the wheels in line and kind of a road race feel is just really kind of put me back at home ever since I jumped on this bike, but the transition was kind of, I was really quick at making it, but to fine tune it, to get to this dominance now has taken a really big off season, a lot of testing with George and the team and with Joe and really to get all the pieces together to really find those last little bits of time because dirt track, you're fighting for, you know, you're fighting for like half tense, you know, it's a lot smaller and the tracks and the time is everything's a lot smaller. You know, you've got two corners you really got to work on and everybody's decent in those corners, you know? So the racing is more condensed and tighter. I'm just kind of curious. You described the, the, the Harley. Is that mean the way you describe it? Does that mean it's difficult to drift that bike versus, you know, other flat track bikes, or is that just as the evolution of the sport as you were describing? 
Yeah, it's not. It, it's actually not harder to drift. It, that's the. It's just the weak point of the bike. It doesn't like to have a. You know, be like old school. Used to really kind of you steer with the rear tire and have the thing whacked around and holding it. But now the bike's producing so much power. You're like really trying to get the thing back in line and just move forward. You know, kind of like Ducati MotoGP. You know, they're all about trying to get the power to the ground and go forward. You know, they don't really like the long corners. So for us, it's all about how do we keep the wheels rolling, keep our momentum up, and use the, you know, the power of the Harley. Well, James, that bike, clearly you're using it to great effect in the Superstock class. It's been a couple years since the arrival of the Indian, a few years now. And its dominance in the, clearly the Super Twins class hasn't let up too much clearly in the class that you're competing in that bike is a really good platform and you guys have have done the development are do you foresee that development perhaps carrying on into the super twins class or is that something you just don't concern yourself with at this time of course we're looking at that you know indian has had a phenomenal run and everybody forgets that harley had this huge run for so many years so it was time for you know the romans of the sport to kind of crumble for a minute for us it's like yeah we're not really too concerned about that but we are really concerned about you know if we were to move up if that's the plan how do we make that jump good thing is is we're our most of our times for most of the year have been roughly around 6 to 12 in the super twins with kind of competing our best this weekend we were within 3 tenths at one point Briar, which was is a personal best for our team and it's not something we really focus on but it's something cool to kind of just look at engage you know we're not pushing to be qualifying pole and super twins we're focused on winning races in the production class but at some level you know it's still not good enough but our race pace has turned pretty decent we're closing the gap down especially on our platform before anybody goes well you know we're not racing in the same races we're not in the same practices so it all could change but at the moment we're doing very very well and very good development on our bikes no doubt it's impressive what you're doing with the bike no one ever doubted that that bike was gonna be fast or at least anyone who knows anything about harley davidson's history with uh, flat track knew that it would be a competitive bike the the only question mark was how long and clearly guys like you are answering it what else have you had to change i mean do you have to make significant changes to your program as far as training and things going from one discipline to the other i know david asked earlier what it was like jumping back and forth but does it change your training in any way you know what's crazy man is i i went through like a couple rough years overseas and then i finished on a pretty high note and I came back here, and once I got the deal with George, I raced against George 10 years ago when I raced for the Supersport Championship, and I, I beat their team. So to kind of come back with George, he was all about me giving me the platform and saying, James, I want you to be in your offseason like you did when you beat us. Here's you know enough salary for you to live so you don't have to worry, and I want to see you show up ready to crack skulls per se. And what I did was put together my crew from that time. I've got the same trainer. I'm training the same with a couple adjustments with, uh, you know, doing more motocross and turn track riding to stay fit and doing more, obviously, dirt track, which I kind of really gave up for 10 years as practice. Relatively, I've got all the same people that I had when I dominated that super sport championship with me right now. And I've just replicated that season so when i started i said if i can win one i think i can go on a run and there's not much difference from that season to this season right now that season i was very dominant then 
And I was able to run off and get eight wins over there and be on the podium 15 times. And now we're on our way. Did I think I was going to be able to do them in a row? No, I didn't think. I thought it was going to be more sporadic and whatnot. But now that I'm here, our confidence is built, and that's really shown on the motorcycle. As far as the changes of the bike, dude, it hasn't been like crazy changes. Like everybody would be like, what's different from yours to the factory? It's just we have, you know, we bought the, the Vance and Hines production bikes. And then, you know, a lot of people don't know this, but I developed a lot of that motorcycle. They gave me a decent package last year when I first went in there. But I really developed, you know, the ins and outs of that production bike. And that's kind of my baby that I brought, you know, that that they built the production bike off of was that so the bike that i got this year is eventually just the the you know baby of what i built so you know it's very you know something i've rode the continuity riding the same bike two years in a row and then having joe cop really kind of put his gnc level of experience you know being a grand national champion himself into our our program into myself and really getting me as a dirt tracker back to the top with, you know, kind of knowing all the knowledge and the ins and outs, you know, those little tricks of the trade has been the big difference. So it's a lot of little things. You know, if you were going to build a motor, you're not going to, you know, you get to a point where you got to start doing all the little stuff, you know, strength bearings, this, that, and the other, try to make the bike, you know, and get that last five horsepower. And that's what we've kind of done. We're on that, like, we're just really looking at the little things and trying to get that last five horsepower or half second. And you've had a great, great season. What are you looking forward to about these uh, last few rounds? I mean, it's it's beginning to – you're seeing the light at the end of the tunnel on this season. Uh, any any favorite races you've got coming up? So, dude, not really, man. The biggest thing is just continue winning. You know, how many can we do in a row now? That's the challenge. You know, they gave us a challenge at the last race, but we were able to clock off five in a row. I would like to go six in a row, seven in a row, and – I mean, who knows? Imagine if I won out the last races. I think that's a, that's a tall ask, but at some level, for me, there's no letting up. I don't care how big the, chance, the the spread gets. I don't care how how much pressure gets put on this. There is no pressure for me because I've got such a big, you know, lead now. It's like it's now. I want to just keep winning. I want to just continue to. I want to make it known where people can't say anything on anywhere. You know that. It was luck. It was this. It was that. You know, no, this is pure dominance. And you know, the 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 one thing I did learn in my other championship is I'm really enjoying this one. I'm enjoying the people around me. You know, it's not as serious behind the scenes where it was. You know, very serious in super sport, and I would hate losing to the point where it would kind of ruin my day. And now I don't. I love every minute of it. I love every single win. Like it's going to be my last win, and that's what we're just continuing to do. It doesn't matter what track we go to. That is an impressive description of what's happened thus far, James. And it's been a pleasure watching you guys do your job so well. It does bring back memories of your past glory in the super sport realm. I've been watching you race and against some of your best competitors uh, from when you were a fairly young road racer back in your Wera days. You just... You were always at the front and competing hard. And it's it's been a real pleasure, man. I mean you're becoming what people would call a veteran and yet you're still quite a young man right what's crazy man is if i move up to the super twins class i'm going to be a 30 year old rookie 
or a 29-year-old rookie, which is insane that I've never moved up to the GNC spec class or whatever you want to call it in AFT in my entire history of dirt track. So I'm going to actually be going for a rookie of the year, which is kind of funny in itself. I laugh at it. I'm like, that's insane that I could possibly be a rookie next year at the age that I you know, I, I am at. And the thing is, is I, I don't feel old. I don't at all. I know it's, you know, breaking the 30 number, but you know, you still got knees and all these guys still fairly quick. Pegram. You got Pegram out there. (laughs) The worm, the worm just having a blast. Um, The thing is, man, it's going to be one of those deals. We're going to, we're going to try to move up and see what happens. And you know what I think the coolest thing is, is dude at Texas, you couldn't believe it. We're in COVID and, you know, probably the worst time in history for sporting events, period. And, you know, Texas is obviously a little bit more open right now. The fans that showed up was amazing. They really, really enjoyed it. They were a blast. And it was really cool to see the sport kind of start growing back and as everything kind of settles down with all the stuff in the world. It's really, really cool. You know, and people can kind of get away and we're able to put on a great show for them. Yeah, it's uh it's a challenge that we're having to work through in every sporting event. It's not at all specific to motorcycle racing. Uh, we've had events with and without crowds. MotoGP is currently going without crowds, and we're seeing what that looks like. It's just good that we have racing, right? I mean, that's this year it was a very big question mark. A hundred percent, and I think that's one thing that everyone needs to realize is it's just amazing the series have put up and figured out how to – economically you know continue to race so that we can all have jobs you know and everybody's doing a very good job on the protocols you know we've had our series is really locked down you know for being a smaller series we're not moto gp we don't have you know they don't have the the resources that they do but they're doing a phenomenal job of you know locking everything down making sure as well as bring a crowd that is safe you know and they're doing a phenomenal job Yep, we look forward to more of this season uh, as it winds down, James. uh, Just can't wait to see what happens in your upcoming seasons. I'm looking forward to what happens next. Clearly, it sounds like you're going to stick with this flat track career, if you will, for quite a while. Uh, There's no reason you can't, right? Yeah, definitely. That's kind of the goal right now. There's still some, you know, there's decent branding. There's two factories in there. They just launched the progressive deal, which is, I believe, a three-year deal, I believe, which is huge for the sport to have such an entity of that. For me as as a rider, that gives me a little bit more security that there's going to be a series around. And at the end of the day, I want to race some motorcycles as long as I can. And, you know, if there's still money there, it's even better. Right on. Well, James, it's been a pleasure talking to you as we're wrapping up. We, of course, want to give you the chance to thank any and all of your sponsors or people that have helped get you where you are. You've had an incredible season this year, so I'm sure you got some people you want to say thanks to. Yeah, definitely. Just, you know, the biggest one is, you know, George Latis. He's he's brought me on board and it's been an amazing time. Custom Dynamics. ProBeam has a very, very good financial sponsor of ours, Arnie and Amy from Fast Track. They've really stepped up. And of course, my crew, you know, Joe, Mike, Arnie, Amy, George, my dad, my family, El Tito here, my boy Kieran from from over there and all my cycling friends, you know, keeping me in the hunt. So everybody and all the fans, you know, that it's really cool that we've got so many great friends and all the Harley Davidson, you know, friends have just kind of brought me on board. Like I've been there the whole time. So, you know, everybody who's riding a Harley Davidson, keep ripping it, keep supporting flat track. You know, we're going to get there and eventually. So just stand by. 
Right on. Thanks again, James, for joining us. Thank you. Thanks to our guest, James Rispoli. And now with our Pit Pass trivia question, Dave, what was that? The question was, who was the first female racer to qualify and race an AMA Supercross event? Name the rider and what race event this happened. And uh, the answer to the question is Vicki Golden, who did it at the Arlington Supercross back in 2015, February of 2015. And the reason that's an important question this week is over the weekend at the WW Ranch, the AMA uh, Motocross National, Jordan Jarvis, who's just one of the fastest ladies out there, qualified and raced the 250 class. She finished 32nd overall against, uh, you know, some pretty fast company. And uh, it was impressive to see. And I, I just think she's got nowhere to go but up. She's she's going to just continue to try. And I want to see her get a top 20 and score some points. I think that would be killer. Yeah, it was cool seeing that. She raced. Did she race both motos, Dave? I know I saw her in moto too. Yeah, she actually DNS'd a moto. So uh, I don't know if that was a bike problem or, or what, but um, she was still out. She qualified, obviously. Got the uh, lap times that required to get you in. And, uh, and got in there. And then uh, the Vicky Golden story, I think, is just amazing for for uh, the young lady to go out there and qualify for a Supercross, which is really one of the most difficult forms of motocross in the world, proven by the the, the talent level that's out there to qualify and get in and, and race that event. I don't remember what place she, she finished at, but the fact that she's even in there is just amazing. She's a freestyle rider now and a pretty popular one. If you follow her on social media, she's... Uh, out there doing backflips and front flips and anything else you can imagine. And to, to meet her in person, she's probably five foot three and 100 pounds wet. I mean, she's just a tiny little thing, but she goes so fast on a dirt bike. It's pretty cool. Right on. Upcoming in Moto News, MotoGP will be heading over to France October 10 and 11. That weekend will be the Le Mans race for MotoGP World Superbike. This weekend, October 2 through the 4th, we'll be going to France as well, the Magna Core racetrack. Moto America, of course, as we noted earlier, going to the Brickyard, October 9 through the 11, as well as Monterey for Speedfest at Monterey, October 23 through 25, and American Flat Track. After we talk to Mr. Rispoli, we look forward to watching him this coming weekend at the Atlanta Short Track, both one and two. They're doing a doubleheader there at the Atlanta Short Track. In off-road racing, we've got the MXGP of Montova. This is their second round in Italy, and it's actually this Wednesday, September 30th. I think the last round in Italy till they uh, wind down the season for the rest of the uh, venues. And then coming up this weekend, we've got Thunder Valley in Lakewood, Colorado for AMA Outdoor Motocross, October 3rd. And then the season-ending Fox Valley Raceway at Pala, which is October 10th. So your outdoor motocross is two rounds left, so we're anxious to see how that plays out. MXGP got a few rounds left to watch, so uh, hope everybody gets out to see it. Thank you again to James Raspoli for being with us today on Pit Pass, and thank you for tuning in. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app, where you'll get alerts when new episodes are uploaded. 
If you have a moment, please rate and review us as well. We really appreciate it. Make sure you're also following us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and of course, pitpassmoto.com, where you can check out our all new blog. This has been a production of Evergreen Podcasts. A special thank you to Tommy Boy Halverson, Chris Bishop, producer Leah Longbreak, and audio engineer Eric Coltnow. I'm Dave. And I'm PJ. And we'll see you next week. Sports stars. They're like superheroes. But they're actually real. Which is why we've made a podcast about them. You see... They've all got a story. But too many of these stories were cut short. Kobe Bryant. Payne Stewart. Flojo. Phil Hughes. Justin Fashionew. We're writing episodes about all of them. And sadly, many more. Death of a Sports Star. A new series from Crowd Network.